Certainly glad to be here this morning. We, uh, we did not leave the house at 4 o'clock. We did get up at 4.30. We sat down and figured up last night and said, oh, I think we could, if we get up at 4.30, we can make it. And somehow, before we were out the door, we were already 25 minutes behind, and I'm not sure how that worked out. Um, but I am so thankful for cruise control. When you set it on 80, it's not going to move from there. <laughs> so I appreciate it, uh, the opportunity to be here today, and I certainly am thankful for the opportunity to, to be able to speak to you today. I so appreciate the prayer that's been offered. And as we get into the subject a little bit, you'll probably understand why I appreciate it. Uh, the brother, in addition to praying for so many things, prayed that the Lord would give us hearts to understand and to listen. And that's so important for us in the preaching of the gospel. I want to take my text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Apostle Paul was talking to the Corinthian brethren about the preaching of the cross. And he'd already said that it was the preaching of the cross to them that perished foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And it is in the context of that that he makes this statement. In verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, he didn't say foolish preachers. I want to start with that. I want you to understand there are, there are foolish preachers in this world. First, there are preachers that, that make jokes out of everything. There's nothing wrong in trying to make a point with the congregation in having some some sense of humor about it, the Lord Jesus Christ has a sense had a sense of humor. Has a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. Sometimes I think it's a little twisted, but He has a sense of humor. Uh, the Apostle Paul had a sense of humor. So there's nothing wrong with with doing that and having a sense of humor and using it to make a point. But if all they're ever doing is entertaining by slapstick then that's not, uh, that's not beneficial, nor is it uh, helpful in your spiritual life. Right, right. On the other hand, there are also some folks that are foolish. And I mean foolish in the sense that they, they're declaring, and what they declare is not the Word of God. And in that they declare that which is a lie as opposed to the truth, those can be called foolish preachers. And we need to identify them, and we need to shun them. But what he was talking about here was the foolishness of preaching, and particularly the delivery system that, if you want to call it that, that we have of delivering the gospel from God to his children. And his point was, by the world's understanding, that delivery system is foolish. And as you look at it, I want to look at it for a moment. And I, I've, you know, I've, I've always, you know, I've always had a, a concern about parts of that delivery system, primarily the part of the preacher of the gospel. 
But as you look at that, uh, you, you, you begin to realize that, that maybe, maybe as we understand it, as far as teaching is concerned, there, there are better ways of teaching than perhaps the method that we see most easily employed in the preaching of the gospel. What's the preaching of the gospel? Well, I stand up to you, and you sit here for, you know, an hour, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, you know, and, and you just listen, or you go to sleep, or you start thinking about something else, or you, you begin, I wonder what I'm going to do. I wonder if I'll be able to get into Pier 6. If he quits early enough, you know, I'm going to be able to. I, you know what, I can, I can fill out my check while I'm sitting here, and that way I won't have to do it right at the end of service there. I think I can get it done before he gets done speaking. I wonder how old he is. <laughs> I wonder if my hair is still looking okay like it did when I left home this morning. How am I going to get that project done next week? Yeah. You know, what, what ends up happening is that, that our listening skills are not are not very very adept sometimes to a person speaking, particularly when the person that is speaking is not perhaps the most amazing speaker that you've ever heard. So what why in the world would God choose a method like that in order to teach us? Now teachers know there are several teachers here. The best, the best way to teach, according to so many of the teaching experts, and I'm, not, and I'm not knocking them, I'm just telling you, this is what they say. And I will tell you that from my own experience, what they say appears to be true yeah. as far as the natural realm of teaching. And that's, that's the thing that we need to understand. We're not talking about the natural realm, we're talking about the spiritual realm. So there's a difference. Right. But as far as the natural realm of teaching is concerned, the best way to teach is visually. 70% of, of what is taught visually is comprehended. 70%. That's pretty strong. So what that would indicate to us is what you need to do is you need to come in here and you need to sit down, and we all need to read together. Okay? But that's not the way God designed it in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did he not design it that way? We'll get there. The next, uh, the next one is auditory. That's the listening part. 40%, as opposed to the 70%. Well, if it's 40%, why wouldn't you do the 70% instead of the 40%? Our mind would say that. You see why people think this is foolishness? Then there's kinesthetic. That's where, that's where you're moving around and doing uh, all kinds of things while you're absorbing, while you're taking in that. Kinesthetic is generally done with something else, and generally it's done with auditory. Okay? And as we do the kinesthetic with the auditory, that's about 70% also. It's pretty strong. Okay? And then there is the musical, which, according to Cynthia Tobias, is about 60%. Of learning, she gave an example one time in her book, uh, "How We Learn." She uh, was a police officer at one time. You've probably read this. She was a police officer at one time, and and she used to stay outside the bars and wait for the businessmen to get out of the bars to head home, and then she'd pull them over, <laughs> just in case they might have had something to drink while they were in the bar. And she said it was amazing. 
because almost without exception, when she started asking them to stand on one foot and recite their ABCs, they would start singing them because that was the best way that they remembered them was by musical learning. They had learned that A, B, C, D when they were, when they were little children, and that's the one that came to them the quickest. So musical is very important. Now, I want you, we're, we're, going, we're going to get into all this in just a few minutes, but I want you to stop and think about how congregational worship has been established by God for us to worship. We're to be engaged in singing, <clears throat> we're to be engaged in praying, and we're to be engaged in preaching. We're, we are not to be engaged in watching performances, we're not to be engaged in doing performances. We're not to be engaged in plays. We're not to be engaged in having something where the teaching in a congregational method in public worship is done by those other than those recognized by the church as either having the ability to preach the gospel or the ability to exhort. That's right. That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And yet all these other things are used by, by many different organizations in order, they say, to try to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to God's children. But God did not design it that way. I would argue to you that since God did not design it that way, and God knows what it is that he is wanting to teach his children, and he designed them in such a way that they could receive it in the way that he teaches it, that perhaps his way ought to be the way that we should do it. When you look at the preaching of the gospel operationally, uh, there's a, there are two points of failure. Does that make sense? Uh, you, you look at it and you say, like any system, you look at it and you say, okay, uh, where can it go wrong? There are two places that it can go wrong. It can go wrong on the sender side, the preacher, <laughs> and it can go wrong on the receiver side, you, congregation listening. And we mentioned a couple of those. Let's talk about the preacher first, though, because uh, I, you know, I always, for years, I kept saying, you know, why did God call preachers to preach the gospel? It seemed like to me an angel could come down and do that and do a lot better job at it than I would do it. And, you know, I, I, I still think that might be true, except for one thing. And, and we're, I'm going to hold that to last to talk to you about. But, but he, he didn't do it that way. Instead, he chose men, sinners that were men, to preach his gospel. And then he gave them the gift to preach the gospel. God's never asked us to do anything that he didn't give us the gifts to be able to do. That's right. Now, as a preacher, I can tell you that God, I believe, has given me the gift to preach the gospel. But he's also given you a gift. God has never given you uh, has never given you to do anything that he hasn't given you a gift to do. So as a hearer, he's given you a gift to hear. Okay? And that's a very important thing. 
as we as we kind of go through this a little more. But that's the two points of failure that we have, is, is the person that's speaking and the person that's here. Now, how can I fail as a minister of the gospel? How can I fail in speaking to you? Uh, maybe I don't see things very well sometimes. Maybe I don't discern perfectly. Maybe I, I think that uh, perhaps... Uh, and I've, this happens to me occasionally, and I don't know whether it's happened to any of the other ministers you talk to them about, and if they'll fess up to it, it might have. But I, I'll, I'll be working on something. I'll be studying on it. God bring it to my mind. And I say, man, I'm ready to preach this. I love it. I'm enjoying every second of it. It's great. And I get up in front of the congregation, and it just dies. And I say, well, I don't understand. Because, boy, it was, I just really enjoyed that. But it took me a few years to figure out that there's some things that God gives me, and they're for me. They're, they're, the congregation's not ready for that right now. Congregation may never be ready for that. I don't know, but it's it's just for me. And and when I get up and I try to, uh, I don't have any liberty. And I say, oh, I can't understand that. I had so much enjoyment when I was studying it. What's the deal here? And the answer is, I didn't understand what the needs of the congregation were at the moment. Uh, I, I should have understood that this was for me. And it wasn't for, that might be this one today, I don't know. Should understand that this, this is for me and it wasn't for the congregation. So really I could just kind of set that off to the side. And there are several I've set off to the side and said, eh, not now, but maybe later. With, you know. uh, the way you learn to discern things like that, and I'm not saying it's perfect, but the way you learn to discern things like that, you stay engaged in prayer. And you pray that the Lord will give you uh, an understanding as to whether or not that was just for you or whether it was your... Uh, uh, for your congregation also. So one of the things that a minister must be able to do, he must be involved in prayer all the time. And I'll tell you that the measure of the success of a minister's ministry is directly related to his prayer life. If he prays a lot... And if he goes to the Lord and he asks him to give him guidance, he's going to have guidance in his ministry. If he doesn't pray at all, he's going to have a hard time in his ministry. Uh, sometimes it's a lack of study. If, if, you know, he's supposed to study. Paul told, Paul told the brother, Timothy, to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, if he doesn't study, he's not going to be able to preach the gospel. I remember Brother uh, David Crawford one time at Old Mill Pruning Baptist Church said, you know, I have never preached anything I haven't studied. Now that seems, that seems almost so basic as to be absurd to say, except there were a lot of people, there still are a lot of people, that think that ministers preach things they haven't studied. <laughs> really? If you hadn't studied it, how do you know it? Sometimes I get the wrong text. Did that Friday night? It was great. I, I, almost, I almost whipped out my phone and said, okay, let me look this one up. And David was over there whipping his phone out. He's going to help me out. He's going to help me out with it. I, I, had written, I had written it down wrong. I, I was able to quote it, thank God. Uh, so I was able to get the point across. But, but that, uh, that, that happens. I mean, we, just, we make mistakes. We're men, and we make mistakes. Elder Marshall Morton was a minister up in the Atlanta area. And he... Uh, began to exercise, uh, preached the gospel up there, and, 
and, uh, and was having some good success in preaching the gospel. And his daddy was coming out to see him there at Big Creek Primitive Baptist Church north of Atlanta. And he, he'd been out there about three or four times and listened to him. And uh, everybody said, well, what do you think of him? What do you think of him? He said, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. They said, well, he just seems to have such liberty. No, no, I don't think so. Finally, they called on him one day. He got up. He was trying to quote something from the book of Isaiah chapter 40. He opened the Bible. He looked for the book of Isaiah chapter 40. It wasn't in there. He said, well, that's okay. I'll just quote it from memory. He started to quote the verse. He said two words. Lost it. Got down out of the pulpit, walked out of the building, got in his car and drove home. His dad said, now I believe he's a preacher. Okay. Why, 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 why was that making him believe? Because, see, all the other things, he thought, well, he's just doing that of himself. Now he found out, no, this is what he does of himself, you see. Yeah. It, the other thing really is God because this is what happens when Marshall does what Marshall does. Yeah. Now, that's the, way, that's the way that we have to understand how men are, are called upon by God to preach the gospel. Sometimes we say things in the wrong manner. Paul talked to the Philippian brethren about preachers that preached in different manners. And he ends it by saying, and you know, I don't like some of those manners when I read them. But he ends it by saying, nevertheless, God has preached. And I, and I appreciate that. However, I think a man ought to examine himself before he call, comes before the congregation to decide whether or not he's going to browbeat them Amen. or he's trying to encourage them in the Word of God and in the understanding of the Word of God. And if his purpose is to browbeat him, he needs to go back to his prayer life and see what's wrong with it. People don't listen well. We already talked about that. You know, how long is he going to preach? I'm really getting hungry, you know. Uh, if he says, let me tell you one more time, I'll scream. That, that's, that's my favorite. <laughs> because I, I do that a lot. It, it, different ministers have different mannerisms. I remember Brother Sam Bright one time saying he heard himself preach, and he said, if I said, oh, yes, one more time, I thought I was going to throw up. Uh, it's that way, and, 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 and you as hearers, as you hear that, uh, you know, you ought to be praying that the Lord will help you filter it out. Now, for some of you who have not been primitive Baptist for a very long period of time, uh, you may not remember some of the primitive Baptist preachers that uh, used to preach, some of the older ones that preached uh, in our area, and perhaps some in this area, I've heard a lot, they had what we called a sing-song, you know, and they'd get a, they'd get a, something that they would repeat as they went along in, in one way or another. And it was really, I thought, maybe a method of, of them trying to think through what they were doing. So they were doing something by habit so as they could get the next word. And they would say that, and some people found it very difficult to hear. And the reason they found it very difficult to hear is because, one, they hadn't been raised hearing it and therefore started filtering it out. So they really could hear what the brother was saying, and all they were hearing was the and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and that's all they were hearing out of that. Uh, we need to be praying that God will give us the ability to be able to filter as we listen to the Word of God. 
I'm an offender for a word. I know you wouldn't believe that. But sometimes when I hear somebody say something and I don't think it's quite right, I'll hammer on it pretty hard. And I may even catch them before they come out of the pulpit and talk to them. I don't know. I've never done that. But I went to a few times. Uh, we, need to, we need to listen and we need to filter and we need to give charity Amen. where charity needs to be. Amen. If somebody says something and it's not quite right and then he comes right behind it and says something else that completely contradicts that, pretty sure he probably just made an utterance mistake. He doesn't really believe that. Okay, so there needs to be a channel, uh, a, a a little bit of charity that's uh, given to our brethren in that. We're not engaging our minds enough sometimes as we hear the word of God. Instead of instead of uh, getting into it and thinking about it, and and sometimes I go the other way too much. I'll run off and leave somebody because they're making a point over here. And, I'm bad about taking this one and going down rabbit trails, you know, and I miss what they're saying because I'm going down rabbit trails. That's, that's a problem uh, because what happens is I've missed, I've missed part of the gospel that the Lord delivered me that day because I was busy going down a rabbit trail, okay, trying to say, oh, yeah, well, there's no scripture here that I'm thinking about. And, it's, and, and that's okay to do as long as it's kind of related to the subject that you're listening to. But if you, if you get off into another subject that's way away from that, uh, you've missed some of the gospel that God prepared for you that day. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, you know, how can, we, how can we eliminate? I mean, we've got two points of failure. How can we eliminate two points of failure? That's what you were supposed to do to get the operation successful, right? Well, one way you can do it is replace the preacher. Make him an angel. Then the angel can come and preach to you. Uh, or you could do a donkey, you know. There was a donkey that preached to uh, uh, one that was not a child of God, Balaam, <laughs> back uh, many, many years ago, and preached the truth to it, you know. Why don't we use a donkey? There are some that said that there were animals that spoke in the, in, uh, at, at the manger. Now, uh, Word of God doesn't say that. I don't see anywhere in the Word of God where any animal ever spoke except that one donkey to Balaam. I, I might be wrong, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. But... Uh, no, he wouldn't use a creature like that to do that, although that could serve his purpose. God chose not to do it that way. Uh, not an angel. It's not an angel. And the reason it's not an angel is because God wants to show something in the preaching of the gospel. And sometimes ministers forget that God wants to show something in the preaching of the gospel. God wants to show you that the man that's going to come to speak to you can't do it on his own. He wants to show you that the man of God that comes to speak to you is a sinner. Sometimes ministers just aren't sure what to do. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, the Apostle Paul said, you know, I wrote you a letter, First Corinthians, okay? He said, you know, I wrote you a letter. And he said, I repented of writing the letter. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. The First Corinthians is the Word of God. It's the inspired Word of God. 
And the Apostle Paul said, uh, I, I wrote you a letter, and then I repented of writing you a letter. But then I, but, but then I didn't repent. Okay? What's, what was the Apostle Paul saying? And, and, the reason he, and the reason he didn't repent is because the letter had the effect that he wanted it to have, made them sorry. Okay? He felt like he'd been too harsh with them. And it made them sorry, and they repented. And then he said, I repented, then I repented. What's the problem? This is the Apostle Paul. Did the Apostle Paul sometimes think he might have done the wrong thing? Apparently he did. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He's a sinner, you see. Sometimes you're not sure, as a, as a minister of the gospel, you're not sure whether it's the Spirit of God that's leading you into a particular subject that you're going in or whether it's your own natural mind that's leading you into that subject. Especially if, you, you know, if you're engaged in study a lot, as you're supposed to be, then, then as you go through and you have a particular pattern of reading or a particular pattern of study, you might say, well, this is as good as any. If, if I get to the point where this is as good as any, when I'm getting ready to stand before God's people, I become, as Brother Marty Smith said, I become a preaching factor. That's a problem. I, I need to have what I want to say, something that, that is heavy on my heart to bring to God's people. And when I don't have something that's heavy on my heart to bring to God's people, I need to examine myself and find out why I don't have that. Sometimes uh, we just, you know, we're not sure whether, whether uh, we, we've got the right attitude about it, as we said earlier. Sometimes we just don't have the Spirit of God. Sometimes we don't have the Spirit of God. I remember back many years ago when I was here at McClinney Church, I had a wonderful minister uh, who was uh, my pastor at the time, and he gave me great advice while I was here. And he was calling on me to, to speak, and I would get up and speak and one afternoon, he said, how do you think you felt today about it? And I said, well, brother, I said, I felt like I was going to choke on my own dust. And he did that. And uh, he said, well, I was just wondering if you felt that way. And I said, yeah. I said, I've, I've kind of been in a dry spell. And I said, I don't know. Uh, it's been you know, for, here for the last few weeks. And he said, well, I've been there, too. I don't know if you remember this. He said, he said, I've been there, too. And see, this is the great comfort that this brother gives me. And I said, how long have you been there? And he said, about 20 years so far. <laughs> so I, I felt like it would probably be a while before it ends. <laughs> so I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> uh, sometimes you get up and you try to speak, and you just don't feel like that, that God has blessed you. To, to be able to speak at all, and other times you feel like you're not. Generally, I've gotten the point, I, sometimes I can't tell whether I've been able to successfully preach the gospel, but I sure can tell when I haven't. And that's, and that's, where, it's, that's where it's helped me out a lot. But my wife, God gave me a wonderful wife, and she uh, uh, has, has attended my, my uh, preaching service quite a bit, and, and she... Uh, Back several years ago, I heard a joke, and joke was about a minister, and y'all may have heard this, and if you've heard it, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, wait for me to get there before you laugh. 
uh, the, there, there was a young minister and his wife, and they married, and he went into full-time ministry. And when they got married, uh, she said, I've got a box about this size. She said, everything else I've got in this house, you're welcome to go through all of it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not keeping anything secret from you except this box. It was a beautiful box. And he said, okay, that's, that's all right. I mean, she's, you know, everything else is mine. Everything else is okay. So things went on, and he began, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, serving the Lord in this church, and things went on pretty well over the next 20 years, and everything, uh, everything seemed to go pretty good. And finally, one day she was out getting her hair fixed. So sisters, don't ever go out and get your hair fixed after you've asked your father, husband not to do anything while you're gone. Uh, so take your husband with you. Uh, so he, he, uh, he said, well, I just, I got to get in there and see what that is. So he opened up the box and there was $3,000 and two eggs in the box. So he closed the box back up and he went and sat down and did some work around the house and she came in from getting her hair fixed and he said, honey, I want to tell you, uh, and I'm, I'm going to apologize to you up front. So I, I did what you asked me not to do. I went ahead and I opened the box. I looked in there, and he said, I kind of I kind of understand about the $3,000 because when we were first married, you weren't sure whether or not I was going to be able to support you, so I can understand you keeping some back like that. But he said, I, I can't figure out about the two eggs. And she said, well, she said, I, uh, every time you preach a sermon that was... Uh, a bad sermon she said I took an egg and put it in the box and he said wow 20 years two eggs that's great and she said and then every time I got a dozen I sold them <laughs> uh, my wife my wife will will tell me from time to time you got some egg money today okay I got some egg money today that helps me kind of understand what how she feels about it but thankfully as as I've as I've become uh more as I've gone further in the ministry, in in my in my growth in the ministry, got a long ways to go, but as I've gone further in my growth in the ministry, I've been able to as as I told you earlier, I may not know when I preach the gospel, but I can certainly tell you when I don't preach the gospel, <coughs> and and that that has helped me quite a bit. Some days are better than others. Sometimes I feel like I have more liberty than others. There was a time here at McClinney Church when I didn't feel like I had any liberty at all to speak to you. I, and, and Brother David knows that. I shared that with him before I left here. Uh, I, I shared it with him as, as it was happening. And, and, and I understand now why it was. At the time, I wasn't sure. Brother Gordon Smith helped me kind of understand that some. Uh, and, and I began to realize that God was moving me on someplace else. And, 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 and that was the reason that I could go over to West Jacksonville and feel like I had liberty and I could go. He said, you can go any other place at McClendon Church. If God wants you to move out of this area, you can go any other place but McClendon Church and you'll be able to feel liberty. But if you go to McClendon, you won't. Now, he said, the congregation won't know there's any difference. They won't be able to tell it, but you will. And, and I appreciated him sharing that with me. When the congregation starts being able to tell it, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but God, God knows us. And he knows that we're sinners like that. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there's a verse of Scripture. And this verse of Scripture is quoted by 
somebody that y'all don't know, but I, I hold very dear. It was a man by the name of Ira Gunter, who was Jim Latimer's great-great-grandfather. And he wrote something back in 1896, and in that he quoted from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And he was right about it. <laughs> it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What Paul was talking about there was the ability to preach the gospel. He starts out this chapter by saying, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, brethren, I know y'all have got treasure in earthen vessels. I understand that. But the ministry of the gospel, the minister has a treasure, the gift to preach the gospel in an earthen vessel. He's a sinner man. And the reason that God chose sinner men to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is because every time you hear it preached, you need to understand it's a miracle from God. That's the reason that he chose this delivery mechanism, that the glory might be of God and not of men. The glory might be of God and not in the hearer and not in the speaker. The glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is God himself. God created us. He knows our frame. He knows what we are. He knows how best to teach us. And he knows what we need. We talked about what our teaching methods are. What's his teaching method? God cheats when he teaches. I just want you to know that. All you teachers out there, you, you always wish you could just take it up and pour it in these kids' heads. Let me tell you something. God cheats. He pours it in their hearts. Okay. First, he starts with his spirit, and he writes his laws in our minds, and he establishes them in our hearts. They're there. And so as a hearer, I'm ready to hear the word of God. He sets up a receiver in me, and I've got something that's inside me that can measure what I'm hearing so that I can tell whether it's truth or whether it's not. Now, I may not be real good at it to start with. I'll get better at it as I go along and as I exercise my faith in God. But the Apostle Paul said very clearly in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, talking about the Word of God, and the knowledge that we receive from the word of God and the righteousness that we have. And he says, but the righteousness which is of faith, in verse 6, speaketh on this wise, say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. We could talk about that, but that's not part of the subject. What saith it, verse 8? The word, the word is nigh thee. Even in thy heart 
mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. The word there, faith, means doctrine. Okay? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. What happened to the heart? It's already in the heart. The word is even in thy heart and in thy mouth. Before Paul ever preached the gospel, the word was in their heart and in their mouth. Should it surprise you that whatever was in their mouth was in their heart? The Lord Jesus Christ said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So it's a reflection. Whatever I say to you is a reflection of how I feel. Regardless, regardless of how I might tell you later on that wasn't really how I feel, if I said it, I meant it at the time. When I tell you that wasn't how I feel, I'm lying to you. I'm telling you, maybe I, it shouldn't have been how I feel, but it was how I felt. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So here we've got it. He says that word of faith is already in your heart. And now it's in your mouth, of course. And it's the word which we preach, which is the same. And it says, if you confess with the mouth, well, if it's in my heart, I'm confessing with the mouth. Now, did Paul put the word of faith in there? No, it was already there. Well, what happens? Well, he said in Romans chapter 1 about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, let me ask you a question. Is the faith which I'm preaching, is it revealed to the faith which you're hearing? If it is, then that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the doctrine that you have in your heart, is it the same as the doctrine that's coming out of my mouth? If it is, the Apostle Paul said, you've preached the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Okay. Is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as is written, the just shall live by faith. So that's the first thing that God does to teach us. He pours it in us. The second thing that he does is he tells us we need to read and study the word. In Acts chapter, as, as a receiver, you need to read and study the word. As, as a minister, I, I am required by God. He's not going to pour it into my head Amen. to preach to you. Amen. He, he's got it in my heart, and I've got that just like you do. And when I hear it, I know it's right. right. And when I study on it, I'm confirmed that it's right in my heart. But I am required as a minister of the gospel to compare Scripture with Scripture. And there's a reason for that. Sometimes because I'm a sinner, I'm not able to understand it. So I've got to make sure by studying word to word, you have to compare what I tell you to what's right here. And if it witnesses with what's right here, then everything's good. If it doesn't witness with what's right here, you need to talk with me about it. Because we might have an issue. It could be me, it could be you. 
the Berean brethren were more noble than the Thessalonian brethren. Acts 17 tells us because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not the things that Paul said were so. Brethren, I'm going to tell you, he's not Paul, he's not Paul, I'm not Paul. If they had to do that about Paul, y'all better be doing it about us. We're supposed to use music. And, and I, I'm going to talk to you about using music in the worship service, but I'm also going to tell you it doesn't stop there. You use music in the daily life at home. You use music while you're working. <laughs> a story just came to me I'm going to have to share with you in a moment. <clears throat> um, he says, speaking to yourselves, verse 19, Ephesians chapter 5, he's told us, not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess, verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Got to be filled with the Spirit to be able to do this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we're supposed to be singing praise to God, right? But he tells us we're supposed to be speaking to ourselves also. Speaking to yourselves in. Not speaking for yourselves or speaking from yourselves, but speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to God. See, that's what Cynthia Tobias was talking about. How many times, how many times have you, have you just awakened and thought about amazing grace or thought about poor, weak, and worthless though I am? Both of those are songs that John Newton wrote. And the reason they come to mind is not because you recited and learned them. The reason they come to mind is because you learned them by a tune. Poor, weak, and worthless, though I am. I don't even know. Sometimes people ask me, ask me about a song, and I have to start humming part of the song so I can get the rest of it, you know, to remember the rest of the, of the verse. Because I didn't learn the verse by rote. I learned the verse by singing it. He says we're supposed to make melody to our hearts and we're supposed to speak to ourselves. Somebody says, well, I can't sing. Yes, you can. Don't you lie to God. God has given every one of us a heart to sing. Now, you may not like the way it sounds. It doesn't matter whether you like the way it sounds. God gave you the exact ability you needed to be able to do what he told you to do. Now, if you, if you feel like that you can't sing like... Uh, some of the great singers in the world, that's fine. If you feel like you can't carry a tune in a bucket, that's okay too. God, God didn't design you to, be, to make millions on your singing career. God designed you to sing and make melody in your heart to God. Hearing the gospel preached. We, we already spoke. Uh, Romans chapter 1, 15, we're supposed to attend to the preaching of the gospel. If you don't attend to the preaching of the gospel then you're not going to be able to get the benefit of the preaching of the gospel. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. If I don't go there, I can't, really, I can't really enjoy it. I can't really get the benefit of the gift that God has given to me to be able to preach the gospel. And then, of course, there's the Spirit. Okay? So if you get those, all those things together and you take 70 and 40 and 10 and 30 and all that stuff... You know, it had to be an English teacher that put that together because when you add it all up, it's way greater than 100%. Uh, actually, some of those are interrelated. So, 
But I, but I just thought about that when I first uh, when I first looked at it. I said it had to be an English teacher or a, or a history teacher, one of the two. It certainly wasn't a math teacher. Uh, it certainly wasn't somebody that had OCD because I have to have everything add up to 100. But the thing is that with all those things that God has given us, he has made us. He has made us so that we see things. And it's important for us to be able to see. We do learn visually. We read the word of God. That's learning visually, you see. We hear when the preacher preaches, we hear that. Uh, from a, an auditory standpoint, we have that. When we stand and sing, it's kinesthetic and also musical. When we say amen, there's a little kinesthetic involved in that, okay? Uh, so, so much of that that God has given us. And by the way, Paul says, y'all say amen. You need to do that from time to time. So all those things that God has given us, they're, they're there. But the one thing that makes it work right is the Holy Spirit that is within us, both on the preaching side and on the hearing side. It is the Holy Spirit that makes this learning process that we have work, and it makes it the wisdom of God because the preaching of the cross, while it's to them that perish foolishness, and the preaching of the cross is foolishness to men, and the way it's preached is foolishness to men, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Does that make sense? You see, it's not the wisdom of Brother David and the power of Brother David, or not the wisdom of of uh, I just lost your name. See how good I am at that? <laughs> not the wisdom of this dear brother, Robin. <laughs> not the wisdom of Robin uh, or the power of Robin. Okay, you'll come back to me later. You know, I lost Gordon Smith's name three times one time over, over a period of about three weeks. He just started shaking his head. It's not, it's not my wisdom. It's not my power. It's God's wisdom, and it's God's power. Yeah. He called us to preach the gospel. We're the ones that preach it, and the reason that we preach it is so that he gets the glory and we don't get the glory. You see, that, 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 that's what I, I can't even remember Brother Michael Green's name, <laughs> much less be able to preach the gospel. Okay. It is God. Anytime anybody stands before you and preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to understand it's not because he studied so much. He better have studied so much. Amen. It's not because he prayed so much. He better have prayed so much. Amen. It's not because he's an eloquent speaker. He ought to be able to speak well enough for you to get the sense out of what he's saying. Okay? But Paul said that he was, he was pretty rough in the way he spoke to the Corinthian brethren. It's because we have the excellency of this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of us. One last thing. If you want to know whether or not what you're hearing is the truth, see who's getting the glory. Yeah, amen. Say that again. If you want to hear, if you want to know what you're hearing is the truth, see who's getting the glory. Amen. Amen. If God's getting the glory, it's the truth. Amen. If anybody but God is getting the glory, it's a lie. Amen. God bless you. I thank you for your attention.